Happy Halloween, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on News Talk 96.5. It's the Joe Cunningham Show every day, 3 to 4 p.m. Glad to be with you today. Glad to be able to get out tonight and enjoy the last night of spooky season before we start throwing out the generic fall decor and celebrating fall and Thanksgiving. And should any of you throw Christmas decorations at me, I will light you on fire. Anyway, 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. You can also reach out through the KPL app chat. Just hit that little chat button right there in the app. Send a message, just uh, pick general message. Send a message our way. We'll be glad to address those on the air as well as your calls. Eight days away. We are eight days away. And in the final days of campaigning around the country, there's a lot of interesting moves being made. Last night, Stacey Abrams, final debate against Brian Kemp. I have no idea who coached her. But they have clearly abandoned the, hey, this is still a largely Republican state. Let's maybe not try to alienate them mentality. They they bought in full into the hard left stuff. She came out swinging on abortion. She came out swinging on gun control. She called the 107 sheriffs of Georgia that have endorsed Brian Kemp racist. I mean, you could not script a better I don't care debate performance. She's clearly auditioning to stay in the national spotlight. She no longer cares about Georgia. And that has more or less kind of been the MO of her campaign the last couple of months. It was extraordinary. I'm, I listened to the entire debate. I made it about 20 minutes before I had to turn it off, but I, I went back. There was on-demand video to watch later. Went back and watched the whole thing. And Stacey Abrams just did not do a good job. She is literally phoning it in. She is done with the state of Georgia. And instead, she's focused on the national stage. She is focused on remaining in the national spotlight, holding that far-left audience, because I guess she still thinks that she can maybe do something on the national stage. Keep in mind, this is the same Stacey Abrams that was openly auditioning for running mate to Joe Biden. And she did so, so overtly that the Biden campaign was mocking her behind the scenes. Multiple reports came out of staffers on Biden's team openly mocking her and what she was doing, trying to audition for the job. And the reason they were mocking her is during the primary Stacey Abrams was asked, hey, there's a rumor that Joe Biden was considering you for vice president. And she shut that down. She said, I'm not interested in being somebody's, you know, uh, in being, you know, second fiddle to somebody or anything like that. She wanted to be her own person. She was still considering a presidential run at that time. And she decided later on, well, you know, I didn't run. So maybe I'll, I'll try to be vice president. She didn't get that either. It went to Kamala Harris. And to be honest, as bad as Stacey Abrams is on the campaign trail, she would be more effective as vice president than Kamala Harris has been. But this is just the campaign of somebody who no longer cares about the state of Georgia. Or at least trying to be elected in the state of Georgia. She has moved on 
to wanting that national spotlight. She got a taste of it there for a while. She's decided that's where she wants to be, which is fine. A lot of people are meant for the national spotlight. A lot of people feel themselves destined for the national spotlight, whatever the case may be. She's decided that's where she wants to be. So her campaign is just done. I mean, it's been done for a while, but it, I mean, a, a 10 point win for Brian Kemp next Tuesday would not be surprising. Most of the polling has it under that, somewhere between typically six to eight percent. Double digits would not surprise me. And if it is double digits, that carries Herschel Walker across without a runoff. There's already a lot of Republicans and Democrats on the national scene quietly talking behind the scenes, expecting a Herschel Walker flat-out win with no runoff. That's how bad the Democratic Party is doing in the state of Georgia. What about elsewhere? The Democratic Governors Association, which has pulled money out of Georgia, they're done with Stacey Abrams too, they're now setting up a political action committee, a PAC, in New York to support Kathy Hochul in the last week of the election there. The Democratic governor of New York is apparently in such dire straits right now that the Democratic Party is putting together a last-second pack to try to save her job, to try to keep the governor's mansion in Democratic hands. In what dimension could you have expected that to be the case? But here we are. The Democrats are so unpopular. And in New York, it's going to be the same thing that it is elsewhere in the country. It's the crime issue. That's how Eric Adams got elected mayor of New York City. New York City has had a lot of high-profile crime events. There's been an uptick in minor crimes as well, and the people are tired of it. And when the people are tired of it, they look at the party in power and they go the opposite way, or they stay home because they're too depressed about it. Staying home is what's happening here in Louisiana. If you look at the early voting numbers, I think as of this morning, it was something like 115,000 Republicans and 107,000 Democrats. That should not be the case. Right now, early voting numbers are trending lower than they did in 2018. And it's not because not as many people care. It's the fact that Republicans are showing up, but Democrats are not. Democrats are staying home. Democrats should have several thousand more than the Republicans do in early voting. But they don't. Those voters are staying home. They're just done right now. And more Republican votes benefits those currently in office here in the state of Louisiana. It benefits all the incumbents. What else is happening? Now the Republicans are moving money, not just to seats that Biden won by 10 points. Now they're moving. <laughs> this is incredible. They are moving money to districts, to congressional districts that Biden won by as much as 20 points. The Republicans are now throwing a bunch of money out into the field to put the Democrats on defense. And the Democrats are trying to move their money around essentially to build a firewall. They're trying to build a firewall to keep Republican victories as down as much as possible. And as a result, the Republicans don't have to spend as much money in some of those swing districts that they thought they were going to because the Democrats are abandoning them. The Democrats are now playing defense. And their defensive strategy ain't working too well. This is turning out to not be a wave, not a tsunami, not a Cat 5 hurricane. This is turning out to be Book of Revelation type stuff.
we're talking end times for Democrats if some of these things hold true. If the Republicans win the governor's seat in New York, if they take the governor's mansion in Oregon, if they take the governor's mansion in Nevada, they take all three of those, forget the Senate, forget the House, forget the legislatures. You're looking at Republicans controlling the narrative at the state level in places they didn't before. And that's a big deal. That is doomsday level stuff. Now, I'm not sold on the idea that Lee Zeldin is going to win in New York, and I'm not sold that the Republicans are going to do nearly as well as some of the far-right partisans are projecting. But at this point, I can't discount the possibility, either given what the Democrats are doing and how they're responding. It's a very, very big deal, these movements that are being made. That's without me even talking about the polls. The polls don't show a whole lot of good news either. But it's the stuff that's actually happening on the ground right now that are the biggest warning signs the Democrats have. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. 232-1542 if you want to call in. When we come back, a little bit more on what's happening in the midterms and the fallout of the Paul Pelosi attack. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Uh, before we get back to the main topic, real quick note from the It's a Small World files. In the show notes today, and you can find those by going to joecunninghamshow.substack.com. And you will see up at the top of the page, today's show notes, eight days remaining. Down at the bottom, I do a tweet of the day. It's whatever funny tweet or whatever important tweet I find that I think is one of the best things that you'll probably find on Twitter today. And today's is from the Reddit college football account. And it's just a screenshot from Reddit talking about Auburn's new athletic director. Uh, Earlier today, Auburn's head coach was fired. New athletic director has come in. That's the first move he made, firing Auburn's head coach. They're going to try to get a new coaching situation to finish out the season, but it's um, it hasn't been has not been a great season. Let's see. Let me uh, pull this up real quick. Uh, Brian Harson has a nine and twelve record in two seasons with the program, so he's out. This comes as the new AD is is coming in and starting to make changes. The new AD is a guy named John Cohen. John Cohen used to be my neighbor, apparently. I kid you, my, my dad just texted me this, said, uh, sent me a text about the, uh, because I'd referenced the Auburn AD, and he said, do you remember that this guy was in our, lived in our neighborhood in Natchitoches? And I was like, I did not know that. But apparently, but he's got ties to Northwestern State, ties to Natchitoches. He's a Louisiana guy, NSU guy, and now he is the athletic director at Auburn, which is pretty cool, uh, considering, just think about All of the college football and professional football exports come out of Louisiana. It's pretty frightening when you think just how much of an impact we've had on the college and professional football scene. But anyway, that's just from the the It's a Small World files. I had to share that one. Uh, Anyway, 232-1542 if you want to call and be part of the conversation. Here is the bottom line. 
Siri was trying to talk to me. I apologize. Here is the bottom line on the election. The Democrats are playing prevent defense right now. And if you're if you're not a sports person, a prevent defense is basically you get into a formation that allows you as much coverage as possible so that you can keep the long ball from being thrown down the field. You can stop them from scoring on a last attempt to try to tie or win the game. And the Democrats have spread their money out to places where they should be safe to try to keep the GOP from picking off some seats that they otherwise wouldn't. We're talking seats that Biden won anywhere between 7 to 20 points. That's where the Democrats are moving their money to in the House races. They're still keeping very tight control over money in swing states, but they're also having to pull money out of Florida, like I mentioned last week, and put money in Washington, which should be safe. Again, you know, Patty Murray is a senator from Washington state, should be a safe seat, but the Democrats have had to move money to reinforce her. I don't think Patty Murray loses either. But at this point, if the Democrats are moving money to bolster her, they are really, really worried. They're not wanting to spend money on, say, uh, Val Demings running against Marco Rubio in Florida. Rubio is going to walk away from that race with six to eight points, if not more, himself. Ron DeSantis has nothing to worry about from national Democrats. In fact, he went off to New York to campaign with Lee Zeldin, held a rally on Saturday night. Huge crowd there. Ron DeSantis is now positioning himself on the national stage, but doing so as a governor leading the way. He's not making himself a national candidate yet. He's simply showing what he's done in Florida and how it can be replicated in other states. That's one of the reasons everybody's looking at DeSantis in 2024 and thinking, I don't know, this might be the guy. But DeSantis is taking himself up to Florida, uh, up to New York, and is holding rallies for Lee Zeldin. Glenn Youngkin out of Virginia is doing the same thing. Look at me in an off year. I beat the Democrats in Virginia, in the Democrats' own backyard. Here's how I did it. And he's going to places like Arizona, where Carrie Lake is now poised to win the governor's race in Arizona when nobody thought she would be able to. The Democrats, the Democrats over, they, they bought into their own hype. And here's the problem. The Democrats have been locked, have been locked. I, I, I keep wanting to say bubble, but it's not a bubble. It's a lead lined bunker. I've said this before. They're, the, the Democrats and the media are in a lead lined bunker all together, and so they see and amplify each other's voices, and that's it. They're not amplifying anything from the right, and it's not that their job is to amplify anything from the right, but the job is to hold the powerful accountable. But the only people they hold accountable are Republicans, which makes you think that Republicans are actually more powerful than the media would like to say they are because they're the only ones being held accountable. But anyway... The media does such a good job of parroting Democratic talking points, and they're all in this one lead-lined bunker that can't see outside, can't detect anything outside, that up until about three weeks ago, they had no idea that things were this bad. They thought that the Republican surge was just a temporary thing, and that their summer surge was just, that was going to be it. And look where they are now. They are underwater in a lot of places that should be, at best, Biden plus five.
They are underwater in places that should be swing districts. They are now, there are swing states that used to be deep blue states. And this isn't something that happened this cycle. This is something that has been happening since Barack Obama was in office, since the Democrats, uh, the Democrats played too far to the left on the Affordable Care Act. And ever since, it has been regular losses for the Democrats. Even in 2020, when Donald Trump lost the White House, the Republicans still made gains in the House, came within five seats of taking the House back. In 2018, everybody saw this massive blue wave coming, and what ended up happening? The Democrats barely got a lead. It has been a multi-cycle event, and they're only just now seeing it. That's huge. 232-1542, we're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, Elon Musk is giving people fits. Let's talk about that. And like I said, the Paul Pelosi stuff a little bit later on here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, um, had a caller during the break who asked about the constitutional amendments. And... I think that's what I'm, I did a little bit of that a couple weeks ago, but I think that's what I'm going to do for the bulk of the show tomorrow is I'm going to go over the constitutional amendments. Now, I'm going to tell you right away that uh, for years I've done the same thing that I always do, and that's vote against every constitutional amendment. But there are some issues which y'all probably care about more than I care about the fact that a constitution should not be amended nearly as much as we do so here in Louisiana. So I will break those amendments down um, tomorrow. I will make that a point. That's going to be tomorrow's show. At least the first half of the show is going over the eight constitutional amendments. Moon's gone over it. I know the morning show has gone over it. Uh, I'm going to go over it as well, because if there's one thing I believe in, it's an informed electorate. So we want to make sure that you guys get the information that you want so that you can make the informed decision. I'm just saying right off the bat, don't expect me to cheerlead any of them. That's just not what I would do. Uh, but anyway, moving on with today's topic. So let's talk about the Pelosi attack. We have a lot more information that's come out. It's been a very strange story. This has been just odd. And we had earlier today, uh, he was actually charged. Uh, he, he, has been, uh, he has been charged. There's now reports that he had a list of targets, uh, told investigators that he planned to break into the House Speaker's, uh, to, he, he had planned to break the House Speaker's kneecaps, according to an affidavit that's now been released. Uh, this guy is very clearly mentally ill. At the risk of repeating myself from last week, the focus among the media has from the start been tying this person to the Republicans, to conservatives. 
they have tried very hard to say this is somebody who was twisted and perverted by right-wing rhetoric. The Washington Post, I think it was, did this whole thing on the rise of, uh, of right-wing rhetoric and how it relates to it. And, and that's just been the, the talking point for the whole weekend. And yes, there are some outlets that have put out misinformation, especially outlets on the right, things that are not true or are at best unknown at this time. Um, Clay Higgins referenced one of those uh, theories that was going around in a tweet that he since deleted and one that he got in trouble for. Uh, he had, he actually had to go back and delete it. It was on his personal account. It wasn't on his congressional account. Uh, but there are some things that are unconfirmed. And there are some things that we do know. He's been charged, according to an affidavit, uh, wanted to hold Nancy Pelosi hostage and threatened to break her kneecaps if he caught her lying, wrote on his blog that he was visited by fairies, uh, apparently was a big supporter of Black Lives Matter, pride events, things like that, on the blog, had taken a shift in some of his viewpoints that aligned with the farthest fringes of the right, including questioning stuff about COVID uh, and things like that. Some anti-Semitic stuff, which of course is not, uh, that's not unique to the right. There is plenty of anti-Semitism on the left. But there's just so much odd information that's come out, but the media wants you to focus on the couple things this guy had written that make him seem like some right-wing fringe conservative and how this is all the fault of Republicans and, and all that. And this is, this is a problem. The press is highly, highly invested in tying these lunatics to the right, but never tying the left's lunatics to the left. Nicholas John Roski intended to kill Brett Kavanaugh in the aftermath of the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Roski had a Glock, two magazines of ammunition, zip ties, pepper spray, a tactical knife, duct tape, all the things you would need to take someone hostage, take someone's family hostage, and do an inordinate number of horrible, horrible things to. And at the very last second, Roski called the police to turn himself in. That incident was at best below the fold, in most places buried several pages in the major papers. The guy who went and attempted to assassinate multiple Republicans, including Louisiana's own Steve Scalise, had a shorter news cycle than the Paul Pelosi news cycle. The guy who took chicken sandwiches and a gun, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches and a gun, into the Family Research Center, into their, their headquarters, got way less coverage. But any time... 
that somebody with any sort of even fringe tie to the right does something like this, it's immediately a big deal. Has Republican violence gone too far? When Gabby Giffords was the target of an assassination, every talking point was, this is Republican extremism until... Until it came out that the dude was apolitical at best. At worst, he had some communist ties and was just tired of the whole system. Or the lunatic that held employees at Discovery Channel hostage because they weren't doing enough about climate change. Whereas the whole media before that came out was talking about this is some anti-climate change nut of the right who's trying to kill these people who work at the, Discovery's, uh, the Discovery Channel. Time and time and time again, these stories get pushed to the back pages. Those news cycles are way shorter than the news cycles of anyone on the right who does anything like this. David DePop, David DePape, or whatever his name is. This is somebody who is mentally ill. This is someone who needs treatment who will spend a very long time in prison because the feds are involved and the feds are the ones leveling charges. But this is someone who needed help a long time ago because they were very clearly mentally unstable. But the press is only pushing this in one direction, never the other direction. It's all about the lone wolf mentality. It's all about this is just some lunatic when it's somebody who's of the left. And if they aren't discovered, that, if it's not clear that they were of the left, immediately the, the press tries to make them someone of the right until it comes out that they're actually someone of the left. And then they drop the story like a hot potato. The narrative, by the way, on David DePape is already falling apart. And so news organizations are already starting to back off of it and only reporting the stuff that comes out like the guy was charged, like the, what the affidavit says. They're not talking about that rhetoric anymore because they, they, it doesn't hold up. And it's, make, it's hurting their credibility. But as I said before the bottom of the hour news break, that's the thing, y'all. The press has lived in this bunker, deep, below the earth, lined with lead, living there amongst the Democrats, and they have only ever amplified each other's messages. They are a cult among themselves. And when something happens that goes against their preconceived narrative, they don't know how to react, and they don't understand why their side is now losing elections. They have no reason, they, they, have, they have no understanding as to why people would see the overturning of Roe versus Wade and be mad about crime. They have no idea why they would talk so much, how they could talk so much about the death of democracy and people be worried about inflation. They have no clue. They are out of touch. They are not of the American people. They are supposed to be the news of the American people. They are not of the American people anymore. They are an elitist cult. 
trapped together for all eternity with the Democratic Party, who themselves cannot read the writing on the wall and understand that they are a dying party if they don't make adjustments. The fact of the matter is, as I said last week, this is not the story of a right-wing extremist who's going in trying to kidnap and torture the Speaker of the House of Representatives of the United States, nor trying to torture her husband. This is not even the case of some lunatic who broke in and did that. This story, the main part of the story that everyone is still ignoring is the fact that there was no security. And nobody's answering the question as to where the police and where security was. The police responded to Paul Pelosi's call within minutes. Where were they that David DePompe could come in, break into the house, sit there and have a conversation with Paul Pelosi before losing it, taking his hammer from him and start beating him with it? Where was the security that this guy was supposed to have? Because Paul Pelosi's wife is the next in line to the presidency should something happen to Joe Biden, Kamala Harris takes over. And God forbid something happens to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because then Nancy Pelosi has to take over. And her house, her home in San Francisco was clearly unguarded. But no, we've got to tie this lunatic to the Republican Party because it's an election cycle and with eight days left, we've got to make sure Everyone knows that the Republican Party has violent rhetoric and they will be the death of democracy and us all. 232-1542, if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. When we come back, Elon Musk has driven the left mad. We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5, KPL. Had to wait. Had to wait for the sense to drop there. All right, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. Um... I regret to inform you that uh, I so I saw on Twitter somewhere somebody said somebody tweeted uh, I graduated from college in 2010 and there are two NBA head coaches who are my age um, and that's the year I graduated so I went to look at it, and there are two NBA coaches who are my age I am 34 years old and I remember a time. When I looked up to all of these people, all these cool grown-ups who were playing and coaching things, and now I am their age, and that 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 worries me a bit. Um, and I realize that being 34 years old, some of y'all are laughing at me right now, like, "Haha, you're still a youngin." Um, but it, I've 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 now crossed into that threshold, and it does kind of bother me a little bit. Anyway, two three two fifteen forty two. If you want to call and be part of the conversation. In fact, we've got Wilfred on the line. Wilfred, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for calling. Uh, okay. Uh, I got a comment first. Uh, yeah. Then I got a couple of questions for you. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the deal about the, about the security, yeah. if it hasn't been an issue up until now, I think it would be a sidetrack at this point because somebody had to know something about security way before now. That's just off of me. But my question is, have you heard anything uh, about there being a, a, a violent break-in that this guy committed in order to get in the house? No, that's that's the okay, problem right. I have. That that's All we know yeah. is that this person, like, I don't, I don't know if he hopped the back wall or something, but just slid open the back door and walked inside. 
who does that? Who leaves their back door? I mean, that that, that sounds funny. But okay, uh, uh, another point. Mm-hmm. According to the reports, the the the. The person who committed the crime had a hammer, but the uh, Pelosi's uh, husband also had a hammer. What, what, what they got t- crates of hammers laying around their house or what? That, see, that's, that's part of the weird thing here. The way the, way the press conference on Friday, or was it Friday night? I think it was Friday night sounded. Uh, yeah, it, it sounded like they both had a hammer. I'm not sure why they both had a hammer. I'm not sure. Like you said, maybe maybe some people have umbrella stands around the house. Maybe they have a hammer stand. There's just you know a, a ton of ball peen hammers that are just hanging there because uh, you never know what you got to fix exactly. up. I mean, you're in San Francisco. The homeless problem, the crime problem is all it's all a major issue. Plus, there's been nonstop protesters outside the Pelosi's house in San Francisco for two years. I'm sure that somebody's wrecked something. They've needed to go do a quick DIY there. I don't know why, but yeah, that was very much the thing. So apparently. Paul Pelosi, this this guy just walks into the house. Paul Pelosi, like, talks with him, encourages him to sit down. uh, Hey, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. That just tries to calm the guy down because the guy is clearly unhinged. And says, uh, and then then calls 911. And the police are three minutes from getting there. And somewhere in that time, both have grabbed a hammer. Uh, David DePoppy has grabbed the hammer from Pelosi and started attacking with it by the time police come in. That's what's super weird here. Like the whole, like the timeline, everything, there's just not enough information that we have. And the, the reports that we're getting from news sources are conflicting. The reports that we're getting from law enforcement are kind of, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of inconsistent. Oh, they're some conflicting. Yeah. Very. It's, and, it's a and, very and weird there's story. Also the, there's also the rumor that they knew one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, and, and uh, I don't like the, I don't like I don't like him because he's 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 making money on our money because as as an insider. Yeah. I don't like his wife because of her policies toward everybody, and then she's another one making money on our bank. Yeah. So uh, it, you, I, I think you just told me that uh, they've been having non-stop protests around our house. Yeah. So if that's been going on for that long and there's no security, that's very strange. Yeah, and, and there's there's conflicting reports as to whether or not Capitol Police would supply security for her. But again, when it comes to the people who are actually, uh, who are actually like in line for the presidency, those people, when you're that high up the chain, they do get extra security. And so we're the, we're trying to figure out, you know, where that security is supposed to come in, where they're supposed to be. She's supposed to have something in her house, whether it's law enforcement locally, whether Capitol Police or something are involved there. But there was nothing there. Like, this guy just walked in. That is the biggest, that, that's the biggest question mark raiser of all. Wilfred, thank you very much for the call. Unfortunately, we're out of time today. No problem. All right, 232-1542. You guys can call in when Shannon is offsides next. In the meantime... Join me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. The show notes are joecunninghamshow.substack.com. I'll talk to you guys again in 23 hours. Happy Halloween here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.